Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. Today, we're excited to have Jason Goldberg as our guest on the show. Jason is one of ISA's top 25 screenwriters to watch. He has placed in the Nichols, Final Drafts, Big Break, and Screencraft Horror Contests. He is a member of the Producers Guild, has over 100 hours of original programming to his name as a story editor. He's a prolific horror writer with 15 features and three pilots. His film, Stay Out of the F***ing Attic, is, a stre- is streaming on Shudder uh, since March. He just wrapped production on one film and is starting production on another in April. He's a very busy guy, so we're very happy to have him uh, give us what little time he has to be on the show today. Welcome, Jason. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time. So, Jason, you have a a strong background in horror. Tell us how you got into that and uh, what what drives you in that genre. It's funny. I grew up in New Jersey, and my Friday nights were always spent a blockbuster video. And I never really wanted to, like, you see the posters and the key art for like rom-coms and comedies like i love my robin williams by all means but i was more engaged going to the horror section where you had like jack frost or tales from the crypt and stuff like that and so i always loved horror i was raised on the twilight zone i watched the marathon with my mom every new year just because we loved that world and rod serling was just so prolific in his stories and you know, just not just writing horror for horror's sake, but having a reason for why he's telling these stories. And so I always gravitated towards these types of movies. I would tell my parents I was going to go see Jack, but I'd go see Bordello of Blood at the mall instead. That was just the way it always was. And I don't know why I, I, I always saw the art in the gore because I knew if this was a profession, somebody was building these creatures, somebody was making this blood and building this world. And I always saw horror movies kind of like kids movies because you could build these incredible, fantastic situations and worlds and was believable. And so I really, really gravitated towards that. And so I moved out to California you know, to work as a producer and to get in the horror world. And the first movie I made was a short called Metamorphosis, which was based on Kafka's you know, short story about a man turning into a cockroach. But I ended up rewriting it from the point of view of a, a teenager. And it was more of a coming out story to for for his for him and for his parents and about being accepted by his family. And so I worked with David Yoey, who's a great director, a good friend of mine. We worked on a number of projects together. And that short go figure from getting hit by a car to then getting the insurance money and raising more money on Indiegogo. And we made a short for eighty thousand dollars with Patricia Bethune, who you would recognize from Mad Men. She was also on um I'm trying to think. Uh, she was Madman, Grey's Anatomy, and then Nick Cersei, who was known for Justified and for Moneyball. Those were our stars. And with the young gentleman, we had Matt Angel, who is awesome. He did Goosebumps was one of the big shows he was a part of. In addition to that, he was also on. Uh, he did an Open House. He was an actor in that and he directed that for Netflix. And so it was just you know getting into that world of. This is what I want to do. And nobody knocks on your door and says, here's some money. Go make a horror movie. You, For me, it was like, I'm going to build this world. I'm going to tell these stories that I want to see, that I want to pay for. And so I made and wrote a bunch of shorts. And uh, from there, I ended up going to the world of features. 
And my first feature, I teamed up with a writing partner named Brian Shin. He uh, has been working actively in television as a writer and more in the drama space. And so our first script was called The Lucky Ones Drowned. And it was a take on Titanic, but with, but with zombies. But not like, you know, Sharknado. This was going to be James Cameron's Titanic, but with zombies. And that piece... I want to I want to get back to that in a second though, but I I'm sorry I'm totally fascinated by this. You got hit by a car thing. Yeah, dude. You know, you, I think you know they talk about right place, right time. How does that work out for you? Well, it's funny. It's like you know, I feel like the rite of passage is you move to California, you live at Park La Brea, and you know, I this was pre Pokemon Go, so I know the person was just texting. <laughs> it wasn't like they were trying to catch a Pikachu and then ran me over. But I was crossing the street legally. I had the little white hand saying it was good to go. There were other people crossing and. This guy was driving a, a Jeep Cherokee, and I woke up underneath it. And you, were you in a car, or you? No, were, you I was were a pedestrian. Oh my god! I was a pedestrian. pedestrian. I had the right of way. I mean, did you go bells and sirens to the hospital? Like, oh, I woke up underneath a truck, and I remember actively trying to stand up, and my knee giving out, and me collapsing in the middle of Curson Boulevard. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, I can't skateboard. I can't snowboard. My knee gives out on me still, and I had to do a lot of physical therapy. And it's funny that I didn't, you know, I, I, I can't compare myself to, you know, Stephen King because I know he got hit by a car, but he's also <laughs> Stephen King. <laughs> I didn't make the headlines. I just remember when it went down and having to, you know, lawyer up just because I needed to be taken care of. And I remember I was going back that, that day. I was at the hospital. I got checked out. Nothing was broken. Things were torn. Um, I was really, really lucky because if it was a lower car, this, I ended up underneath the, the Jeep. If it was a lower car, it would have broken my leg. I would have just snapped it. Wow. And I would have landed on the hood. But so you said took, there was a silver lining from it. Yeah. You know, with, with every, you know, terrible story, you sometimes have a happy ending <laughs> in my world. Uh, but yeah, I was able to take the money from that lawsuit and use it towards st- setting up an Indiegogo campaign with a great production team with Isotropic Films. And we were able to raise financing for our first short as a, working as a team. And so that short was Metamorphosis. It did exceptionally well. Then we did another short called Descry, which was up for Academy consideration because it was picked by Holly Shorts Film Festival as one of their best. So we, we, it, was, it was nice to work with those guys and really kind of create some cool stories as far as, you know, working with, for Metamorphosis, it was a short about a kid transforming into a giant cockroach. And it's available on Vimeo. I could get, send you guys the link. But sure, yeah, we'll put it on. in the notes so people can watch it. Oh, totally. The, the, the coolest thing was that it was taking a story that people knew. Because every, every year people are doing Kafka's Metamorphosis, the guy who turns into a giant cockroach and you know how his family treats him. But we wanted to do it from an LGBTQ angle on how it feels. And it doesn't have to be just you know a young gay man, but how anybody feels to be ostracized by their own family, let alone killed by their own family. So that was really where that went. And we had some great creature design and effects. And uh, VFX, too, by a gentleman named Mike Noble, who works for Disney. And so we were able to take this single location, you know, story set in a house we shot in Burbank. And then we did two days on a soundstage to really build this room and really make it as gory and gruesome as possible. Well, that's something I wanted to ask about is, um, you know, uh, we actually did a, I would call it a dark comedy slash horror film. And, you know, I like to think of it as like a thinking person's horror film. What separates cheesy, campy horror from elevated, like next level horror? It's funny. I, I we shot it on film. We always thought, you know, I, I I know the guys from Trauma. I know guys, you know, from you know that do lower budget stuff. I think it's all about the message. 
And I've seen really campy horror movies that have been done very low budget, but it comes with a good message and that's what sticks. No one remembers like, oh man, you remember you saw the guy in the bug costume and stuff like that. What's really important is that you've got a good message and you work with the best people that you can within your budget. And people understand that, you know, it's not easy to be independent. You know, we don't have big studios backing us. And so the most important thing for me as a writer producer is to surround myself with people who raise, raise my bar and I raise their bar. And I think, you know, if you put in the time and the energy, if you're, even if you shoot a, a movie on your iPhone, as long as you take the time and you think about it and you really kind of dedicate yourself to the craft, you'll put something that's really cool out. And people, uh, my best analogy has always been this, you know, I, I come from the world of like, you know, I always would go to concerts and go to see bands and there was nothing better than seeing this band who was playing this small concert venue, 40 people are there. And then you see them a few months later, they're at a bigger venue. And then the next venue is even bigger. And with the goal one day to be playing Madison Square Garden, you know, that's the trajectory that every, I guess, artist wants to take or, you know, sports player. And so it takes time to get there. And so by actively even creating, you're, you're setting yourself up for success because there's so many people out here who say that they're writers, they're directors, they're producers, and they've got all the tools that they need. There's free editing software. You know, these phones that we have, our iPhones, they shoot better than the phones that I, than the cameras I used when I was in college. And it's higher resolution. It's in instantaneous. So I think what differentiates schlocky and campy, and I know I probably, you know, went off topic, but it's about the message and by perfecting your art and your craft. You know, if you just have a phone or you just have a camera and you're just shooting something for the weekend and you're just like, well, we're just going to make something. But if you really kind of like break down the script, you break down the themes, the message, you don't need to have great actors. Well, you don't need to have like A-class actors or B-class actors, but you need, should have people who want to act. And this is great for pushing off their careers too, because they're looking for material for their own reels. So I think it's just about sur surrounding yourself by the right team and the right people, because it takes a little bit of money, but it also takes a lot of bit of luck. And if you're able to work with folks who understand the craft, and they could be green too, but if they've got their, if they're ambitious, the sky's the limit because you never know what's going to hit Sundance. I've seen movies that make Sundance. They had one, I can't remember what exactly it was called, but I remember because we, we submitted Metamorphosis to Sundance and we got rejected. But one of the movies that made it was this gentleman who gets abducted and he's, it's, it's almost like Saw, but not like Saw because he's like abducted from work and he's laying down on a table and he can't get up. And every time he screams, an alarm goes off. And eventually, a panel in the ceiling opens up, and then somebody, all you see are butt cheeks, and this guy gets farted in his face, and that's the end of the short. Oh, wow. That's a Sundance movie. <laughs> that's hilarious. Huh. And, th and here's a movie that we made for $80,000 we shot on film with recognizable cast, and we got rejected. So <gasps> I think it, 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 you can't take this stuff personally. I think it's just about <laughs> having a, you know, laughing at it you know, and just being okay with this is what resonated with people, or this is what's going to get a rise out of people. And so, you know, if you, if you work hard and you've got a project and it doesn't, you know, make blood, bloody disgusting, it doesn't make dread central, you know, well, the least you could do is then reach out and push it out there. You know, a lot of these places, you know, you get lucky if the, if you make something that makes people laugh or you say, this is going to get people's butts in seats. But if you make something a little bit more artsy fartsy and there are is horrific and graphic imagery to it, the least you could do is reach out to these different platforms and say, hey, I just wanted to put this on your radar.
not every movie is going to get into a film festival. Not every movie is going to get distribution. But the least you could do, and this is my producer hat, is knock on every door and say, hey, I've got something that you or people might like. And being you know, the hip new young guy, people might say, wow, this was, wasn't executed perfectly, but I could see this was you know, done on purpose. Or they, they, they had some great creature effects. Oh, wow, the story itself was really, really, really interesting. I never saw it from this perspective. So to answer your question, I don't think there's anything that you did wrong or differently. I think it's just finding the right audience. Wow, that is actually really good advice. Thank you, Jason, for, for, for all of that. How do you find inspiration for your horror films? I mean, obviously they say write what you know, but I really hope nobody in your family has been possessed. It sounds like you do more allegorical films. It's funny. I always ask myself, what would I be willing to spend 20 to $30 and put my butt in the seat for? And I, I really watch the trades and I see what's being released weekly and I know what's going into production. And so from that sensibility, I kind of have an idea of what people are buying and what they're interested in. But I also tell myself, what do you want to see? What type of movie would you pay for that would have everything that you would say that this is incredible. This is everything that I want in a movie. And so that's, that's really what I do. You know, I, I, I and from like speaking about metamorphosis, I, I kind of wanted to use that as a calling card. And so I wrote a feature version of it because people always ask you, you know, when you're taking pitches and meetings, well, that one's not for us. Well, what else you got? And so what inspires me is, you know, Something that I haven't seen yet, something that I would pay to see on the big screen or on my phone or, you know, on the TV. It's just something that hasn't been done or it's something that's familiar, like a possession movie or a home invasion movie, like Stay Out of the Attic, but taken from a new perspective. And so I like writing stories about, for me, um, protagonists who typically are a little bit more diverse people who aren't normally seen on the big screen just because you know you you've seen your fair share of 80 slashers where it's you know white people being torn apart and as a white writer i really try to do as much research as possible and work with you know if i'm working with a diverse type storyline to make sure that is authentic it's very very important to me um some ideas i've you know I've got projects that have done very well. I've got a project on the hit list that made the hit list in 2018 that's going to production this summer. And I've always loved cults. One of my favorite cults is Heaven's Gate. And I know that they have a show, I believe it was on HBO Max, about that exact cult. But I always wanted to say, like, you know, you've got movies like Midsommar and, you know, uh, The Sacrament. But I always wanted to see a cult movie about a UFO cult. Specifically, you know, people who commit suicide to go to another planet. For me, that's interesting. But I always wanted to take it from another perspective. Like, what would happen if you were going to your your daughter gets engaged and you you're invited to an engagement party and it all coincides with this? That's just you know one of the storylines that a movie that's going to be going into production this summer that I wrote. It, it just it's, it's just interesting to me. I think that's the real thing. It's like what is interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the things that you write have been very well received. You've, you've been on all these lists and won awards and have been in festivals. Which of these, you know, we talk about competitions and festivals and fellowships a lot. Which um, of your various writing competitions and successes has been the most helpful to you? 
It's funny. I worked with uh, the International Screenwriters Association, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Uh, the yes, uh, you know, I've been on their site a lot. Yeah. So I know them for quite a long time. And Joey Tuccio with Roadmap Writers, he's incredible. I, I try to work within or apply to competitions for writers by people who also write. And they are there, as Joey says that I'm always in your corner because I believe it. And so I did the fellowships for ISA. I landed within top 50 a number of times. There are emerging screenwriters. I made top 10. Uh, Script Pipeline is incredible. I made top 10 with them. Finalist with ScreenCraft Horror. I think the most important thing where I'm getting the love that I'm getting is because, truthfully, I'm applying to genre competitions. If people were looking like Nickel is awesome, Final Draft Big Break has been very good to me. But it's hard to break in when you're doing stories about people being tortured and when you're going against like a dramatic piece about a paraplegic who's overcome adversity. Two very different sure. things. And so it's for me, I've known it's really about knowing who my audience is, who's going to be reading this, but it's also going to be who's going to be reading this and enjoying this. Yeah, so that that makes sense. Do you think that um, horror, you know, sometimes considered like what, an easier genre to get into? Do you think that it's overdone? Do you think that that do you recommend it? Cost? Do you have any? You know, I guess you would say any words of wisdom or tips to someone who wants to get into the genre. Well, that's the thing. I think horror itself. If you are a horror enthusiast, if you watch horror movies and you pay to see them, and if you go to like. Universal Horror Nights, you will write something that comes from the heart. If you're just writing a horror movie because you think it's going to sell and it's going to be able to get you into another genre, what I've learned, it's branding so important. And if you're going to be like, cool, I've got this horror movie that's sold, but what I really want to do is you know, children's animation. That's where my heart is. It's going to be hard to separate the two. And so I always tell my clients and people that, I, that are you know, emerging writers, Write, the, write to the brand, write to the genre that you want to work in. Because if somebody watched Stay Out of the Fucking Attic, they're not going to be hiring me to write the new Care Bear movie. They won't. And so it's a great... <laughs> right, yeah, that's, that would be a mismatch. It's a great genre to get your foot in the door. But I also really, you know, I, I would advise whatever genre you want to get into, that's what you should be writing anyway. If you want to be doing television, you know, 60-minute dramas, that's what you should be writing. Those are the competitions you should be, should be submitting to because the judges for those, they're the ones who are going to say, this person has it and submit it to other, you know, other companies or maybe to agents and managers. So, you know, with your, your successes so far and now you're kind of going, you just got off of one film you were filming, you're going to be filming another one next month. Do you feel like you're on kind of this whirlwind already? Do you feel like you've kind of, you're on the cusp, so to speak. You know, what's it like having all that attention on you with all those those uh, accolades? It's funny. I I never, I always strive for more, and I don't say that in like, oh, I can't really enjoy the moment. But it's it, it's it's true because it's like the mo- I literally just finished writing a script on Friday, and I'm already writing my next one. Starting, you know, I already started outlining, and that's ready to go. So it, it's hard because it's like, you know, State of the Attic. It's a fun horror black comedy of sorts grindhouse movie and flatwoods is you know a bigger budget cinematic project and i've got another project that i'm working on called glorious and 
for me, it's all about actively doing and actively creating and actively writing. Um, it's it would be easier to sit back and enjoy the accolades if we weren't in a, weren't in a pandemic and you could do a red carpet and you could do these interviews in person and have a drink and talk about it. But in my mind, it's always been like, cool, you wrote it, it got sold. Well, what's next? Because that's what everybody always asks you is, what is next? What else do you have? I right now have 15 features that are ready to go. I'm writing my 16th one right now. I've got three TV series. I've got a bunch of shorts I'm working on for different anthologies. But what's really important is just saying, cool, I enjoyed it. This is some cool success. But I got to be ready because you know what? If Creepshow calls me and says, hey, what do you have? I, I want to be ready for them. Sure. Very important. Yeah, that's good advice because, you know, a lot of people like I've got I wrote all these scripts and they kind of just sit there and wait for someone to come along and want that script. You can't just do that. You have to keep producing. You have to keep. And I think you mentioned it before. It's like you can't chase the trend. You, you know, like if, if you look at what's in being sold and bought right now, you're already too late, so to speak, to the market. You have to just write what you want to write and write good stuff and. There was the the big shark movie, uh, you know, phase everybody went through. But now try to sell a shark movie in Hollywood, you can't. Yeah, it's funny. There's a few shark movies coming out, but they're all about influencers getting eaten. So I'm like, well, that's because everyone's having fun with the TikTok genre and all that, people. But I could tell you one big thing of advice for any writer who's got a lot of material, who it's just either sitting on their laptop or whatnot. Well, no one's prints them out their things and deletes them. My biggest advice that you could do is say you got three or four features. It's going to cost you some money, but submit all three or four of those to the same competitions. Because anybody who is working at that company, whether it's Coverfly or ScreenCraft, they're going to say, wow, this person has a lot of material. This person's generating a lot of material, as opposed to a hobbyist. I, <laughs> I hate saying this, but it's true. My first year, I doing the competitions, I probably spent about $2,000 on just competitions itself because I was submitting three or four projects. That's not that surprising. I, I did the festival circuit with four, four short films at once. So I know how that is. At least it's tax deductible. <laughs> yeah. And so if you're putting all this work out there and here's the thing, if any of them hit that gets generated by Launchpad, and that's how it's going to get you on the, on the ballots for the hit hit list or the young and hungry list. So if you're just submitting one and you submit one script a year, you know, your odds are against you. But if you're like, oh man, I got five features and I, you know, spent a lot of money, but it's money well spent because if two of them make, you know, semifinalist or quarterfinalist for final draft, big break, you're already generated to go onto that ballot. People want people, people want writers who are active. You know, if you, if you're just running around talking about the same script that you've had for the last, you know, three years, and you're not doing anything with it? Nah, you should just always be writing. Even if it's one page a day, you could have a TV series, 30 minutes, spec in a month. Two months, you get a, an hour long. Three months, one page a day. And that's like one good page a day. You'll have a feature. So hypothetically speaking, if you do the math, you could have four original features a year. That's pretty dope. You know, that's more than most people do. And, you know, we've been in a pandemic I was able to, I found a script at the beginning of the pandemic and I just, essentially what happened was I was on Facebook 
And I go, yo, if anybody's got any movies that could be made in the horror genre, $250,000 or less, hit me up. I got 70 scripts to read within like two days. Out of those 70 scripts, 65 of them, not so good. Not going to lie. <laughs> but um, five of them really stuck out. And I passed five of them along to other producers and other production companies and other managers. And now for one of those scripts, I was able to get that writer. He's got representation. And we were talking to, and I can't disclose who, we've got an A-list Academy Award winning actor who's attached to it. And then we've got another A-list actor attached to it. Cool. All because on a whim, folks said, yep, I will. I said, I'll take your unsolicited stuff. I'm not going to steal your ideas. I got enough stuff going on in my life. So throw in having a three-year-old and I'm married and, you know, it's, there's a lot going on, but at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't in Hollywood. There's a lot of people who are, you know, in the Midwest or, you know, maybe in New York state and they don't have access to folks who are creating and producing. And it was important for me to, you know, I love giving back and I'll read any script somebody gives me. I'll give you, I'll get, I'll read the first 10 pages. And if those 10 pages I'm hooked, I'm going to finish it. And if I love it, I'm going to send it out. That's cool. So, um, just to kind of wrap up, uh, so do you have that as a service you provide? And if people want to get in, involved in that or want to ta- contact you, how do they do that? Well, I'm on Facebook. If you find J. Scott Goldberg, also on IMDb, if you find me on IMDb, my information's on there. But I really specialize in genre. You know, I can help writers, and I've helped a lot of writers with mentoring, with everything, everything from editing, meaning, cool, here's your 90-page, you gave me a 90-page script, the formatting's off, you wrote in a word, uh, spelling's off, grammar's off. I could clean that up and make it something that's ready to be sent out. I work with writers on pitch decks. I work with emerging writers on, cool, I've got an idea for a story, but I don't know how to write it. And so I will sit with them and I will be like, cool. So you've got an idea for a story. Well, what's the log line? Well, what's a log line? Well, a log line is A, B, C, D, F, G. You know, here's what the story is in two sentences and the conflict and what's going to happen. And I will work with them and say, cool, we've got a log line. The next thing we do after a log line is for me in my world, it's building out a synopsis. Meaning if you go onto Wikipedia and you look up a movie, it'll tell you what happens in that movie. Great. So you see the, the story and the structure and the character. From there, I'll say, now we need to do the technical version. And we will turn that synopsis into an outline, meaning a scene by scene, you know, this is what happens. Maybe there's a line of dialogue that you really love that happens. And then the next part is once you've got that outline, whether it's 55 to 70 uh, scenes, I'll sit with you and help you write it. And I'll make sure when that thing is done, it's polished. It's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, It's been great to have you. Uh, Good luck with all your productions that are uh, now streaming and in production and post-production. Thank you. And And, uh, we'll probably have to have you back at some point to talk about more things you're working on. I'm hopeful. You know, I, I, I definitely think the best thing any writer can do is sit their butt down and write. Or just be out in the world and take in what's around you. From the world of horror, you know, I, I, I think, you know, you, you take what you know, and then you do a cool twist on it. You know, people all the time I'm hearing about, oh, cool, my short film's now on Alter, and now it's going to be, Alter's like a, Gunpowder and Sky has a, a YouTube page where they basically put down horror shorts. 
And a lot of those get converted and turned into features. So the best thing you could do is just sit down and write. And even if it's with your buddies to shoot a short film over the weekend, that's better than sitting on your butt and being, playing Call of Duty, especially if you want to be taken seriously as a writer or a producer or a director or as an actor. The best thing you could do is pursue it and actually do it. All right. So thank you for being here. Everybody check out Stay Out of the Fanatic on Shudder and look up uh, uh, Jason on uh, IMDb and check him out. Talk to you next time. 